0: morning church and how beautiful it is to sing the praises of God for God is is amazing right Um, he can drop snow from the heavens like that it's amazing I love how the the book of Job says God just opens up the chambers just lets it fall out God is good Uh, he also opens up his grace to us right And thank God for that. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we do praise your holy and divine name and thank you so very much for this beautiful blessing and this opportunity to worship you. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done and for all that you do and for all that you will do. Please continue to be with us. Help us to honor you in all that we say and do. And this morning as we worship you, we pray that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We ask, Lord God, that you will help us to keep our minds focused on Jesus, that our minds might be rid of worldly thought, that we might keep the earthly pleasures away from us, Lord God, as we think about the heavenlies. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee It be thy will. Amen. Leviticus chapter 16, please. We're going to continue on uh, this text of uh, or understanding of revealing Jesus Christ. Welcome to each of you, as well as visitors, those online, those who are here present with us today. Jesus Christ, he's all over the Bible, right? Well, why not, right? He's the, the very um, word of God and God himself. God has revealed himself. I am always mesmerized and amazed when I read the word of God. I wonder to myself, what am I missing? Because there's so much in there, right? What else am I missing? So let's take a look at Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 5. This is the scapegoat. This is uh, Azazel, if you will. Scapegoat. Hmm. And he shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron shall offer the, burnt, the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. For the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. And so this goat is the bearer, if you will the bearer of the sins of the people. But not just the sins of the people, all of the sins for the people. I want to jump all the way over to chapter, uh, excuse me, same chapter, verse 20. When he finishes atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess it All on it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins and he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness and the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So this goat is sent away. And when the goat walks away, it takes with it all of their sins. Turn to John chapter 19, please. As the scapegoat goes away, he's sent away. And as he's sent away, he bears all of their iniquities. And I wonder if on the day when Jesus was sent away, that the Jews made that connection. In John 19 and verse 14, now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Not understanding what they were saying, but when Jesus was sent away to the crucifixion, he carried the sins of all Israel and the whole world with him. Jesus is our scapegoat. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 1. The amazing blessing of the Messiah, only the Messiah, as was spoken of this morning by Mike, would be that propitiation, that one who carries away the sins of the world. John says, in John 1 and verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And how far? How far? Turn to 1 John, please. Chapter 2. How far has Jesus taken our sins away? Well, the psalm says in Psalm 103 uh, in verse 12. It says that Jesus carried our sins as far as from the east as to the west. I carry them so far removed, right? Our transgressions are gone forever, so far away, so far away that the Father said, "And their sins and their lawless deeds, I remember no more." Jesus is that scapegoat. First John, please, chapter, chapter two, as was mentioned during our focus this morning, beginning in verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Azazel, our scapegoat, who bore the sins of the entire world. They said, send him away. And that's what was done. 1 Peter, please, chapter 2. And there are these connections that I just love in the Old Testament, the New Testament, that that come about to help us to understand the depth of the riches and the kindness and the mercies of our God. In 1 Peter 2, in verse 24, the Bible says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. And Jesus, Isaiah 53, Jesus on that cross, I was thinking... That Satan is so cruel that even Jesus, on his dying day, Satan never let up. On the cross, Satan never let up. He just kept bringing more and more persecution to the Messiah. Only God could be the complete satisfaction and live his life sin-free. Wow. Isaiah 53, in the prophecy, beginning at verse 6, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due how how do we view sin do we recognize the seriousness of it Do we recognize that... Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 8, please. Do we recognize that Jesus died senselessly, from a human perspective, brutally, because of me? Is it personal to you? Hebrews chapter 8. The stroke that was due me fell on him. How seriously do we take that? Verse 6, the Bible says, For now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. And it goes on to tell us that the fault Was not in God. The fault was in man. Verse eight. For finding fault with them, he says, behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And that's what God has done. And what a, what a blessing to be a recipient of God's gift of mercy and grace. Our sins that we have committed, like the prodigal, when he came home to his father, said, Father, I've sinned against God and you. But first, our sins that we have committed are against God. I don't know about you, brethren, but we have to get to that point in our lives where we decide, I don't want to hurt God anymore. I don't want to hurt God anymore. And we stay away from sin. In the book of Numbers, Jesus is uh, exemplified to us and revealed to us as um, a star out of Jacob and a scepter. Numbers 24 and I want to look at verse um, 15. Verse 15. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam the son of Beor. And the oracle of the man whose eyes is open. The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the most high who sees the vision of the almighty falling down yet having his eyes uncovered. I see him but not now. I behold him but not near a star shall come forth from Jacob and a scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheph. A star is coming. I behold him but not now. I see him but not near. But this star turn to Revelation 22 is coming and that star is Jesus' Christ the righteous. I love how God reveals things to us in the old to bring us to the new. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16. Jesus says I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David the bright and morning star. Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, as the scriptures are revealing the greatness of the Messiah in verse 8, the Bible says, but the son of the son, he says, the father says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. And so, in the book of Numbers, we have this this idea of the star and the scepter coming. And we learn that that star and that scepter refers to Jesus. Numbers chapter 21. Do you remember when Israel grumbled and complained? They grumbled and complained and grumbled and complained. And eventually, God... Became upset, irritated, bothered by their grumbling. And he sent serpents out. And the serpents would bite them and they would die. And then God gave authority to Moses. And he said to him in verse 6. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Now look at verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, He shall live. Now, this is an opportunity, right? Not everyone in the world at this point in their lives or at some point in their lives looks to Jesus. Some refuse to look to Jesus. And in this particular instance, if you wanted to live, you had to look to this this, this standard, if you will, that God has established And today, please turn to John chapter 3. Today, people have to learn to surrender to the very standard of God that God has established. We have to look to Jesus in order to live. We cannot live without Jesus. But here's this inspiration, if you will, that comes to us from the Old Testament all the way into the New, where God says, you gotta look to Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes may in him have eternal life. Salvation can be found in no other. Look back at Deuteronomy, please. Chapter 18. Deuteronomy, chapter 18. And so in our lives as we live, and we think of, uh, Evangelism and talking to people about Jesus, we have to remember, or at least remind ourselves continually, that, brethren, we have the way. We have to just give it to people. Show them what thus saith the Lord. The prophets who prophesied in the Old Testament, the prophets speak of this Messiah who would come, who would be like a Moses, if you will. Uh, and the Bible says in verse 15, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen, you shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God. In Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And so God, imagine God's anger. See, the reality is God is angry. (laughs) He's full of love, but God is angry. In fact, the Bible tells us in the psalm, I believe it's Psalm 7, that God is angry with the wicked every day. He's angry because, because we refuse as, as an obstinate and stubborn people to look to God, to listen, to obey His will. We are fighting against the only one who can save us. Turn, please, to Acts chapter 3. Israel, they were the exact same way. And that produced, if you will, through sin, the Messiah. And now the Messiah has come, and now we can see the whole picture. The church, as well as those who are not members of the church. The question is, have we surrendered wholly to our God? Or are we still fighting against the only one who can save us? Acts 3 and verse 18. Peter's sermon, he says, But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ should suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's like, maybe... Let's not rip that one out of our Bibles. It should be our, 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 every, our, our prayer every day should be filled with repentance. Right? Not just the, the sins of commission, but the sins of omission. God forgive me. Verse 20. And that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. Moses said, the Lord God shall raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed in everything that he says to you. And the whole sermon is about Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus is not like Moses. See, Moses, turn to Hebrews chapter 3, was a a son within the house of God. But Jesus is not a son within the house of God. Jesus is over the entire house of God and in the house of God. Jesus is all over the house of God. Have we surrendered to the king? Verse 3 says, Hebrews chapter 3. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. By just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Jesus, much greater than Moses. Turn back to Joshua. Excuse me, Joshua looking at chapter 5. And I want you to look at Jesus in Joshua and then, and then we'll and then we'll go. Joshua chapter 5. Jesus is presented as the captain of the host of the Lord's armies. And I love this one. Verse 13. Now, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversary? Now, first of all, let me just stop for a moment. I don't know how scary you see some of these passages as, but I'm terrified sometimes. When I'm reading this, right, where, where, you know, there's an angel standing before the king and, and, um, and you have the account of Balaam and Balak. And Balaam, you know, fights with this donkey and he sees the angel standing in front of him ready to kill him. And then the angel that's suspended, uh, in the heavens, between heaven and earth, and he slayed Israel because of their sins, because of the sin of David. And then you have Joshua coming before this angel, if you will, this man, if you will. He goes before this man who's standing before him, and he has his sword drawn, and he strikes up a conversation, and he says, he asked the question, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what does my Lord to say to his servants? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Can you imagine standing physically before God? Think about that. So Joshua bows down, he's face to the ground, and, 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 the, and, the, and God says to him, remove your sandals because you are in my presence. I just wonder, have we surrendered? Have we resented, surrendered to the Messiah as Jesus here is typified in Joshua Himself is the, the leader. He's the leader of God's people carrying Joshua through. Remember what he said to Joshua? Be strong and very courageous. Have I not told you to be strong and courageous? You're going to go fight a war and a battle for me, but you will be victorious. And here the commander stands before you. Not a man, but God. Wow. And then during one of those battles in chapter 10, in verse 13, the Bible says, So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. It's not written in the book of Jasher. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. We live in Alaska and when July hits and that sun stays up there, I want you to think about this passage. Oh, I know the sun hasn't stopped. I get that. But we get to see something that the rest of the world doesn't get to see. And they're fascinated over the fact that the sun could stay up for so long. And we understand, you know, the we get it. But I want you to step away for just a moment and go back to the battle that Joshua is fighting and watch God stop the sun. Is there a spiritual significance to that? Go to the cross. Luke chapter 23. Go to the cross. And when we get to the cross, take a look at the Messiah suspended between the heavens and the earth, fulfilling the very promises that he made to the world that he would, he would die for us. Consider Jesus, the Messiah, on the cross. The stroke that was due me has now come upon him. And Jesus, by his power and his might, reminds them of Joshua. Jesus, Joshua, that's his name, right? The Bible says in verse 44, And it was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, the sun being obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. He caused the sun to refuse to give its light because of the darkness of the world. So here's my closing question. Are you in the light or in the darkness? Do you stand today with God or opposed to God? Today, are you lost or are you saved? And I say that, I ask that question, asking it of myself as well. I'm talking to both Christians and non-Christians. To the Christian who has not caused God to be at peace with them by renewing their relationship through repentance and prayer and confession. Today's the day to get out of the darkness and to step back into the light. To the person who is not a child of God. Who has not surrendered to God in the waters of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Hearing his word and believing it. And having repentance, godly sorrow in your heart. Confessing his name before men. Being baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And Jesus will resurrect you. Bring forth a new man out of that water. Through his blood. So that in the end, when we stand before God, and we will, and you take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground, God will say to you, enter into my rest. This morning, the question is, where is Jesus in your life? Is he hidden or has he been revealed? The lesson is yours. God bless you. Thank you for your time. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.